This is the Joe and Amber podcast. I'm back, baby. I'm back. Are you sure? All men. Oh, I am. I'm back. For, well, <laughs> at least for tonight on Joe and Amber. Amber Wilson, that is the voice of Michael Rothstein. Of course, we wouldn't have Joe here on Joe and Amber. What did you make of that commentary? That was from me on the morning show yesterday with Freddie Coleman. That was Alan Yates, one of the producers on the morning show, who had informed me that my eyes are, in fact, terrifying. Are you terrified, Michael Rothstein? I always. <laughs> <laughs> Oh wait! I am. Oh, wait. we have worked Smart. together many. We have worked together many times o- over the last eighteen months or so, Amber Wilson. And every mm-hmm. time we do, I am terrified for many reasons. The first would be your eyes. The second would be the law degree you have. <laughs> so I'm just like, you know what? I'm just going to be quiet and let you talk. And when you wave your hands and tell me I can talk, I will. Well, nobody's terrified right now today in the world of sports. At least there are several men not terrified at all because quite literally hundreds of millions of dollars in terms of the news breaking cycle today. You heard it there on the Sports Center update. Jalen Brown, $304 million for his five-year deal. You had the Cowboys hand Diggs a $97 million extension. And then the breaking news that we just got minutes ago in the NFL from our very own Adam Schefter where the quarterback market, another domino has fallen. We knew this was going to happen, Michael, right? We knew coming out of that draft that Jalen Hurts, Joe Burrow, and Justin Herbert would be right on schedule for extensions. And here we are. Justin Herbert, he has gotten paid a landmark five-year, $262.5 million extension that ties him to the Chargers through the 2029 season. It is important to note, as Lindsay Theory, who covers the Chargers, did and helped break this news, along with Adam Schefter, that this is a deal that has gotten done before the Chargers entered training camp. That seems like it was of the utmost importance to them. I'm sure it was, but you want to know who's the the person probably sitting back right now and just cackling a little bit, hanging out, smile on his face. Joe, Joe, Joe cool. Joe, Joe Burrow. cool. Joe Burrow yeah. is loving this because loving. every time a quarterback comes in and is like, I'll, I'll sign a deal. Cool. I, I feel good about that. Joe Burrow's like, cool, 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 cool. My, I'm just getting more money now. This is what's going to happen for me because Joe Burrow is going to set the bar here for quarterbacks. And listen, it was not too long ago. I covered the Detroit Lions for, oh, about eight, I guess eight years Maybe it was nine years, something like that. And there was a time where Matthew Stafford became the highest paid player in NFL history. And one of the things he said then was, by the time my deal is over, my deal is going to look like a bargain compared to other quarterbacks that are out there. And I think we're going to see that now as well, Amber. And that's Mm -hmm. the thing to remember with all of this. Two things. One, what is the guaranteed money for Justin Herbert here out of that 262.5? And two, in two to three years, this deal will probably be like the sixth or seventh highest paid quarterback in the NFL, and that's a good deal for them. Well, it's what happens has happened with Patrick Mahomes, right? Yeah. That looked like the monster deal when he signed it at 40 mil or whatever that was per season. And now it, it looks like child's play compared to some of these other quarterbacks. That's the direction of the quarterback market. It's the direction of what we've seen with the salary cap in that sport. But coming out of that draft, it seems obvious that with those three guys who were eligible for extension in Hertz, in Burrow, and Herbert, who Atungavaloa also would be part of that conversation. I think that there's a very good reason the Dolphins haven't handed him the extension 
extension. I don't expect him to be part of this no. conversation, frankly, this summer. But those other three guys taken in the first round of that draft eligible for extension, you've seen respectively Jalen Hurts get five years, $255 million. Lamar Jackson get five years, $260 million. And now Joe Burrow, five years, $262.5 million, right? So they're all like these quarterbacks. And now it's going to be Joe Burrow's turn. I misspoke. Yep. Lamar Jackson, obviously not out of that same draft, but you know what I mean in terms of the quarterbacks being paid this offseason. So now it's going to be Joe Burrow's turn. And it feels like Burrow has just been sitting around and he's been waiting. He's been waiting for Herbert to sign his deal so he can walk into that front office in Cincinnati and be like, all right, here we go. This dude's good. Look at his numbers. Nice deal for Herbert. Now look at mine, baby. And look at what yeah. I've done. And by the way, I was in a Super Bowl. Not only that, I was in a Super Bowl. I was in an AFC Championship game. I, I, I've got, I've taken this team that has been woebegone for so long and kind of mediocre for so long because remember before Joe Burrow got there, they had not won a playoff game in eons. Mm -hmm. And that was why Marvin Lewis got fired. And he has turned them into must-see TV. Him and Jamar Chase and T. Higgins, who they're going to try and pay as well. Like that and Joe Mixon and Tyler Boyd, they have something going on offense. If you are a Cincinnati, which you are a franchise that is known uh, among the NFL as maybe one that doesn't spend as much money, it seems like Cincinnati as a city is starting to do, as a franchise, is starting to do more, like putting naming rights on the stadium, for instance, which is something they had not done before, to put themselves in position to be able to pay all of their guys that they have because they, I think they realize they have something special now, probably something that they haven't had since the Boomer Esiason days. But, you know, we're talking about Joe Burrow now, obviously, but this is a big deal for Justin Herbert, too. Mm -hmm. To me, it's more interesting with Herbert because of the quarterbacks that you mentioned before, Jalen Hurts, Lamar Jackson, Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, Justin Herbert's probably done the least in terms of team success, and I would even argue maybe in terms of personal success as well, and he's still considered in this group. It's fascinating to me that that might be the case. He's great. But just that that to me is interesting that he now has the top contract above a Lamar Jackson and a Jalen Hurts, both of whom who have accomplished more on the field. I think it puts even more pressure on Staley, frankly. I think that it means that the finger will be squarely pointed at the coaching staff if things don't go well and if the Chargers once again don't live up to the expectations this season because it shows a belief of that organization in their quarterback. And there's a reason for that belief. I mean, it depends what numbers you pull here, obviously, but you are talking about a quarterback that through his first three seasons has the most passing yards through three seasons in his first three seasons in NFL history at 14,089 passing yards. His 94 passing touchdowns is the second most through the first three seasons in NFL history, second to only Dan Marino. His 64 total QBR is the fourth best in the NFL since his rookie season in 2020. So you can pull Justin Herbert numbers that don't just make him look great in this era, that make him look great in any era. Joe and Amber's presented by Progressive Insurance. Progressive makes bundling easy and affordable. Get a multi-policy discount by combining your motorcycle, RV, boat, ATV, and more. All your protection in one place. Bundle and save at Progressive.com. So the Chargers, they put the money where their mouths were. And this is one day before they report to training camp, Michael. They got it out of the way. They don't have to have any questions now as they head into training camp there with a new OC at the home. No, they don't, which is different. Kellen Moore, by the way, a guy who is familiar with working with big-name quarterbacks. He's Matthew Stafford's backup quarterback for a long time. He worked with Dak Prescott, obviously, in Dallas. But 
Yeah, this makes a lot of sense for the Chargers to get this done because if you also saw what happened in Cincinnati about, what, 24 to 48 hours ago, that's what what all the questions were about to Mike Brown in his one appearance that he talks every year is about Joe Burrow. So if I am the Chargers, I am also saying this, like to your point about Brandon Staley, Brandon Staley is now on the hottest seat in the NFL Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because if they they can't make the playoffs and – have some success in the playoffs, even though they've gone six and nine, nine and eight, ten and seven under Joe Herbert or Justin Herbert, twenty five and twenty four overall. If I'm them, I'm looking to move on from Brandon Staley. If but barring major Chargers like injuries, right? Like that to me is a huge thing. Brandon Staley, uh, happy to know he has his quarterback, but there's a lot of pressure on him now, more maybe than even Justin Herbert. Yeah, that seat was already probably pretty hot. Now it feels like it is piping hot. We're going to hope to connect with Lindsay Theory at 7.30 and hope to get some more insight as she, of course, covers the Chargers for us here at NFL Nation. Coming up next, the 49ers got some good news and some bad news today. We'll get into that. Joe and Amber's on ESPN Radio and on the ESPN app. Joe and Amber, the podcast. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Michael Rothstein filling in tonight for Joe here on Joe and Amber. You're feeling the tunes. Michael's into it. Joe and Amber's presented to you by Progressive Insurance. 49ers fans, they might be into it too because they got some good news and some bad news today. Let's start with the good news. Brock Purdy, the quarterback that showed so much promise for San Francisco last season, out of nowhere, Mr. Irrelevant. Then he showed us how capable he was of running Shanahan's offense when Jimmy G and Trey Lance both went down with injuries. And then he also went down with an injury. He had that torn ulnar collateral ligament in his right elbow. He had surgery back in March to repair it. And he's on schedule or maybe even a little bit ahead of schedule here, Michael, because the 49ers are telling us that he is going to be cleared to participate in on-field workouts when they begin tomorrow. They report it all to training camp today out in San Francisco. Here is Kyle Shanahan, the 49ers head coach. The throwing plan's a little different. We're never going to have him go three days in a row. And so, like, today he threw with his schedule from the weekend and everything. So today he threw, so tomorrow he won't practice. So the other guys will do the same thing as OTAs. They'll both go with the ones. Um, and then Brock will have practices two and three to go. Then he'll take the next one off. So keep going that way. So that was about 
Brock Purdy's usage rate, obviously. I would think it's very good news that Brock Purdy is back and that he's back in any sort of usage rate, right, Michael? Because we were wondering if Brock Purdy was going to be good to go at the start of the season. We were thinking maybe Sam Darnold was going to get the chance. When is Trey Lance going to ever get his opportunity again, if it ever even comes? Another career that's been marred by injuries. You're already shaking your finger. That answer is no. That answer is not going to happen. That, really? that answer We're already be, done with the Trey Lance experiment, you think, in, in San, San Francisco? Francisco? Yeah, in San Francisco, I would think so. Now, I, the one caveat there is if Brock Purdy comes out and is, is real bad, right? But the way San Francisco's offense is built and the way that Kyle Shanahan coaches, it is very much an offense that, to me, is protective of the quarterback. And by that, I don't necessarily mean offensive line protective, although their offensive line is good. What I mean is... There is more margin for error in a Kyle Shanahan offense, and particularly the Niners offense where, where, with how it is built, than other offenses out there. So Brock Purdy can be very average, and the Niners can be very successful. And as long as the Niners are good and winning games, Amber, Brock Purdy's going to be their guy. I remember being on this very, very ESPN radio station in December with a, our guy Teron Davenport, and Teron loves when I bring this up. And he called uh, Brock Purdy a nice little story. And I was like, no, this dude's going to be good. This guy's going to be their starter next year. And he, he said, no, 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 that's not going to happen. Well, you know, I like being right. <laughs> <laughs> I think that with the Trey Lance situation, if you're talking about having a capable quarterback that you saw great promise from in yep. Brock Purdy, but then also you're talking about having another dude behind him, In Sam Darnold, that could also look like a capable quarterback in Kyle Shanahan's system. We haven't seen it yet. We certainly seen Sam Darnold get his opportunities as a starter in the league. But if Brock Purdy can do it, if Jimmy Garoppolo can do it, maybe Sam Darnold can do it as well. And so I feel like Trey Lance just keeps getting pushed further and further and (laughs) further down the depth chart. And I don't know if he's going to get a fair shake for us to ever even see that opportunity from him. I mean, we did a segment on the morning show. I can't remember if it was yesterday or on Friday, but we did a segment that was, you know, make or break or, or boom or bust or whatnot. And it was what you expect them in certain players to be able to accomplish the season. Is this a make or break season for Trey Lance? And my answer to make or break for Trey Lance was, well, yes, except for, I'm not sure he's going to be able to make it or break it. Cause I don't even know if he's going to have that opportunity. Why would you about face when you had, when you finished the season, like you did right before Brock got injured, but with you, when you closed out the season, like you did down the stretch with Brock Purdy, the way that he looked running that offense, why would you go back to Trey Lance? And the only answer to that would be that you traded up to draft him high. And it looks like right. a terrible draft pick. But also, you can sort of save yourself reputation-wise because you can say, all right, we really messed up there, except for then we heard on, hit on Mr. Irrelevant, which makes you look like a genius. So the two balance each other out. See, here's the thing, though. I, 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 I struggle with that argument, Amber, of they messed up here with the draft pick, right? And they traded up to get him. And yes, one might say it's an error, except I don't buy into that because we all know that drafting a quarterback in the first round is a very difficult proposition to begin with because for every Patrick Mahomes, you have a Mitchell Trubisky, right? For every, uh, I'll even use Alex Smith, you have a Brandon Whedon. Like for every successful quarterback that's drafted in the first round, you have two or three that don't work out. And Trey Lance right now, and through some fault of his own and a lot of fault that is not his own, just circumstantial, 
it doesn't look like it's going to work out for him in San Francisco. Now, to me, and we're going to get to a guy that I feel compares at least experience-wise to him very similarly later in the show, and that is Anthony Richardson. I think Trey Lance will get an opportunity somewhere at some point, but I just don't ever see that spot being San Francisco right now because you have your one and you have your guy that if the one doesn't work out, you know Sam Darnold can get you out of games. Right. That's the thing. It's like you have your one and you have your two, and then Trey Lance becomes your three, and he becomes an afterthought because he's your three, and he shouldn't be your three when he's the dude that you traded up in the draft. It's always a crud shoot. You're right when you're talking about drafting a quarterback in any draft. I think what makes the situation with Trey Lance look like such a failure is because they traded up. It's not just sure, I get drafting. That. You know, it's not just drafting the guy and then it doesn't work. It's tra- It's being so sure that that's the guy that you pinpoint that you trade up and trade away assets in order to be able to get that guy. And then it's not just a win. It is a total miss. I mean, just could not be a bigger miss with the way things have gone. We have hardly, I don't have it in front of me. How many games have we seen Trey Lance play in the NFL through the tenure of his career? We have hardly seen this guy play football. I have no idea if he's good, but frankly, but that, was the issue. Not that was the issue in college. Right. We didn't right. see him then either. He, we, we hardly saw him. We hardly, we, we hardly knew you, Trey Lance. Yeah, by the and way, then, eight, eight total games, four starts. There you go. Him. Four starts from Trey Lance. That's just not enough to evaluate any quarterback, but I don't think that story is going to get any better for Trey Lance. Everyone else probably very happy to hear that Brock Purdy is cleared and that he will be participating here in on-the-field workouts. Everybody except for maybe Trey Lance on that roster. So we'll see what well, happens here in San Francisco who seem to have two viable quarterbacks, even if Trey Lance doesn't see the field. But this may work out for Trey Lance too, because now it gives San Francisco a little bit more cover to try and trade him. And, and maybe trade him to a place where he can be the number two for a year and then maybe get a starting spot. Or if there is a starting quarterback that gets hurt, then maybe he can come in and try to compete for that starting spot if it's a middling place. Like if I'm Tennessee, now that contract's not great. But if but I'm that's, Tennessee, that's the problem is the contract. Right. But if I'm Tennessee at midseason and I think maybe I'm not going anywhere, maybe I try to look to trade trade for Trey Lance, trade low. This Trey gonna, La- this Tennessee, everybody just wants them to collect all these damn young quarterbacks. Like how many more quarterbacks does Tennessee need? No, I, I get it, but I'm just they saying. They don't oh, hit on Will, they don't Mo- hit on Malik, well, they Ryan Taylor. Malik Will say the answer. Malik Will say the answer. Switch to Trey Lance? I, I, I guess, listen, it's a position you have to hit on. I I guess you can keep collecting quarterbacks until you do. But it's that contract that people don't want to pick up with Trey Lance because of where he got drafted. And it does feel like that the 49ers have been on a bit of a PR campaign, probably trying to make that happen, frankly, where they keep uh, buffering up Trey Lance in the press. And I think they're trying to increase his trade value or bring any sort of trade value. Coming up next, we're going to go back to talk about Justin Herbert's historic contract extension. Joe and Amber, the podcast. Amber Wilson and Michael Rossine hanging out with you here on Joe and Amber. We had huge breaking news out of the NFL. Justin Herbert, he is the next domino to fall in terms of quarterback contracts. He got his monster extension. Let's bring in Lindsay Theory to help us discuss this one. ESPN Chargers reporter. Lindsay, I know that you're swamped right now. You helped break this news, of course, with our very own Adam Schefter. So thanks so much for giving us a few minutes here. Let's just start with the basics. How did we get this deal done? Yeah, really, it just comes down to the Chargers really 
knew all along um, last couple of years that after Justin proved what he did his rookie season into his second season, um, there was no doubt as he went into his third season, they were at the end of it, they were going to open talks on, uh, on an extension. That's exactly what they did. Um, the Chargers have been kind of penciling the numbers, tracking where everything was headed. They knew it was going to be a big number, and they prepared for it. And uh, from their side, and from what I understand from Justin Herbert's side, Justin Herbert is um, a guy who just he truly wants to play football. Like this is all just kind of part of the gig that he's not too interested in. So he, for his part, uh, he does get a record-breaking deal, but he just wanted the deal done. He just wanted to go out there and play football. Um, the Chargers obviously came to a tape to the table with a, with a deal that was north of everybody else and uh, made it pretty easy for them to say, all right, let's go to training camp tomorrow. Lizzie, uh, you mentioned what Justin Herbert had, had – well, you said, just said about Justin Herbert, and you had mentioned about kind of maybe the beginning of training camp. Was the target date always kind of right around now for both sides of get this done or, or otherwise it might kind of stall out a little bit? Yeah, you know, I don't think either, t- either side really wanted this to go into training camp um, – I would say probably Justin in particular. He is not a huge fan of answering questions about his own personal play, his own personal contract situation. Uh, you know, and the team knows that, and Justin's representation obviously knows that. Um, so I think for everybody involved, they kind of looked at this like, let's get it done. Let's just get to where we need to be ahead of training camp. It eliminates the distraction and eliminates any sort of side chatter throughout uh, practices. And that's exactly what they were able to do. Um, and, and frankly, I'm, I'm a little bit surprised. Just last year, you know, we saw Derwin James hold in, uh, waiting for his deal. So the fact that the Chargers just came to the table with the number to get it done, um, I think just kind of says a lot about the process they've been through this offseason together. So they get it done one day before training camp. They will be able to hit the field with no distractions, at least in terms of Justin Herbert's contract. It is a $262.5 million extension. That is a five-year deal. ESPN Chargers reporter Lindsay Theory joining us to discuss that deal. So, Lindsay, Michael and I were both theorizing, though, that what this deal means is an even hotter seat for Brandon Staley, a coach who most people already consider on the hot seat. Would you agree with us? What do you think this means overall for the future of Staley? Sure. I don't think it means it gets any hotter. I think it's already pretty hot. Um, I I think this really just means that they're committed to Justin. Um, You know, regardless of the contract, I think that uh, the Chargers were going to need to win this year for Brandon Staley and and GM Tom Telesco to truly feel safe. Um, I think the big move right now is that they brought in Kellen Moore as their offensive coordinator. Um, so Justin gets a fresh start with a new deal, a new OC. Uh, if he performs well, who knows where the OC is next year. But uh, I think that's really what they're focused on. I know for Brandon Staley, he's really confident that the OC paired with, with Justin um, is going to be kind of the, the finishing touches on what they need to do uh, to go deep into the playoffs this year. Lindsay Theory, she covers the Chargers for us here at ESPN NFL Nation. Thanks, Lindsay. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. So, again, a historic deal, five-year, $262.5 million extension for Justin Herbert. Not the only monster money, though, being reported today from a historic deal in the NFL to a historic deal in the NBA. Joan Amber is presented to you by Progressive Insurance. Breaking news, Celtics shooting guard Jalen Brown's agreed to the richest deal in NBA history, a five-year, $304 million Supermax extension. (laughs) Back the Brinks truck up. It has to be go time. 
Money, 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 more money, more money. money. All around <laughs> sports. Boston Celtics star Jalen Brown. He's got that. He's got a lot of it. He signed the richest deal in NBA history. Five year, three hundred and four million dollars. Supermax contract extension. I know LeBron James is out here on Twitter. Uh, making jokes about that Saudi fund. I don't know if NBA players necessarily need it here, Michael Rothstein, because <laughs> they're living pretty, pretty good. Sure, it's not the rumored Mbappe billion dollars, but $304 million for Jalen Brown? Still yeah. a pretty good day to be Jalen Brown. I mean, that's like when, what was it, the Padres gave Manny Machado something like $300 million or $330 million. And You can argue Manny Machado is maybe the best player in baseball at that time. Like, yeah. Nobody's I arguing got, that about Jalen Brown. <laughs> right. Well, but, that, but that's the point. And that's where I was getting to is that this feels to me of just the Celtics being forced, almost not forced, but forced mm-hmm. into a situation where they had to make this deal, even though it's not necessarily commensurate with the talent that league is the comparative talent league wide. That we're talking about here. Because Jalen Brown is a very good player. Jalen Brown is an all-star. But Jalen Brown is not, to me, the best player in the NBA. He's not a top five player in the NBA. He's probably hanging out right now in the, what, 10 to 15 range? I mean, he's not even the best player on his team. Right, exactly. (laughs) That's Jason Tatum. Yeah, exactly. So, to me, that's where I'm just like, all right, I guess you're kind of forced into doing this based off of the NBA contract structure. Like, that, to me, is why they made this deal. Not necessarily because Jalen Brown is the best player in the NBA or the second best player in the NBA. He became eligible for it, right? For the Supermax. And you were going to have to pay him because he's a good player. It's where it's just sort of how the cookie crumbles at this point in his career. It's where everything falls. He's good enough. And it's still a hard pill to swallow when we're talking about largest in NBA history at $304 million. But you also have to consider where the salary cap is going. And that has everything to do with factoring into this. It's not going to end up being the largest in NBA history. But right now, when Jalen Brown feels like that, that huge first domino to fall, where the direction that these salaries are going... It's an adjustment for all of us, frankly. And it's going to be an adjustment for all of us under the new CBA in the salary cap structure there in the NBA. He became eligible for that five-year Supermax because he earned second-team All-NBA honors this past season. It's one of those things that if you're the Boston Celtics, I would imagine you're grateful that he was able to qualify for second-team All-NBA honors because it <laughs> means that he was shooting averaging career bests, like his 266 points per game is 49% shooting last season, but also once he qualified for it, you're also like, I would imagine there's a part of you, if you were that front office in Boston, that was a little bit like darn. <laughs> yeah, uh, probably maybe, maybe not. Like, I was like, hoping the voters would overlook this guy, you know? Yeah, no, I, listen, it didn't get them an NBA title. Which, right, it didn't you know, get them much of anything, issue. and now yeah, it's exactly. cost them $304 million. You can make that argument. Right, well, it's interesting, too, because it's the richest contract to be cleared by total value in NBA history. By average annual value, though, it's second right now behind it, currently in the league behind Dame, Dame Lillard. Dame Lillard making oh, about oh, $141,000 more than Jalen Brown, but he's still on a two-year deal that he signed last year, obviously, that's worth a little over $121 million. But I just want to run these names by you, Amber, of Mm -hmm. what we're looking at in top contracts, right? Jalen Brown's number one. 
Only guy over $300 million. Next, mm-hmm. Nikola Jokic. I think everyone would agree Nikola Jokic deserves whatever money he gets. He's at $276 million. Bradley Beal is after that. Mm-hmm. Then Devin Booker. Then Carl Anthony Towns. Then Giannis. Then Steph. Then Luka. Then Zach Levine. <laughs> <laughs> then Trey Young. And then, no, then Embiid. Like, right. to me, if you were to rank the that 10, right? Where's Jalen Brown fitting in that? I, I, right above eighth? Zach Levine. Yeah, eighth? <laughs> Right. A, 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 a if maybe you just because... rattled off 10 names to me, then you're talking 9 and 10, respectively. Yeah. I mean, maybe over Trey Young also, honestly, because Trey's shown that he... I, I don't think Trey has shown Maybe, but Trey at least is the... No- Trey's the number one, though, on his team. I mean, I understand you can say some negative things there about Trey Young, and, and maybe you can compare those players, but the argument I think I would make against that is that you're paying Jalen Brown $304 million and he ain't the number one on his team, right? Well, Whereas at least with Trey Young, he's supposed to be the face of the Hawks. He's supposed to be the huge superstar there, and he is, in fairness to Trey. He is. It's yeah, not getting the Hawks anywhere right now. But no, it it's getting that. I'm living in Atlanta. It's getting them a whole bunch of nowhere. But it's not Jalen Brown's fault that he's not that guy because he's playing with Jason Tatum. It's not like he is being kind of uh, you know a stat patter, and that's why he was able to do this. Like Jalen Brown's a very good player, right? But again, it goes to what we were talking about before. I, I would rather give a guy like Nikola Jokic or Devin Booker or Carl Anthony Towns or Giannis or Luca that money than I would. Jalen Brown. Well, of course. But those guys are going to make way, 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 way more than that when they become eligible yes. again, right? And that, I mean, there's only so far this can go. It is a salary cap sport, but that, that cap keeps going up, and that's why Jalen Brown gets over $300 million. The Celtics have gotten something out of it, though. They haven't gotten the championships out of it, but they have gotten out of him the Eastern Conference title, the appearance in the NBA Finals. They have made the playoffs all seven of Jalen Brown's NBA seasons. So they certainly have had success there with that pairing, which is why they did not want to break up that pairing. I guess they would trade away Marcus Smart. They would break up the core only to that extent, but they would not go as far as losing Jalen Brown, who, of course, with the duo with Jason Tatum, has had a lot of success, even if it hasn't yet resulted in an NBA title there in Boston. Coming up next here on Joe and Amber, Michael Rothstein filling in tonight for Joe. Do the Colts finally have their franchise quarterback? We'll get into it. Joe and Amber is on ESPN Radio. Joe and Amber, the podcast. It's always NFL season here at ESPN Radio. And as we march our way towards season, we love to do hacky radio things, you know. So we did before rank them for weeks there, Michael Rostein, to get us all fired up about NFL season. And now we've got what we do every single summer here on ESPN Radio. Two a days. Let's head to Indianapolis. Let's go do our job, man. NFL Nation Two-A-Day. Time is here. On ESPN Radio. The Indianapolis Colts. Blue 58. Go. I'm Stephen Holder covering the Colts. The biggest story in Indianapolis is the expected quarterback battle between Gardner Minshew and rookie Anthony Richardson. Minshew comes in with a slight advantage. He's a veteran, and he played in Shane Steichen's offense last season in Philadelphia. For Richardson, he's got an experience to overcome as he started only one season at Florida. But he's got the superior athleticism, not to mention a big throwing arm the Colts hope can supercharge their offense. We'll get some answers in training camp and through the preseason, and the winner will start week one. Countdown to kickoff with NFL Nation Two-A-Days on ESPN Radio. So the Indianapolis Colts will look uh, very, very different this season, not just at the quarterback position there, Michael, but in terms of that coaching staff of various places on the roster. This is a very young team. 
This is a very young coaching staff, by the way. This thing is young from top to bottom, and there are a lot of changes in Indianapolis. There, there are a ton of changes in, in, in Indianapolis. As you heard our great Stephen Holder, who covers the Colts for us over in Indianapolis for ESPN, uh, talked about it. It's the quarterback. Now, I don't buy, however, for like two seconds that there's a quarterback battle. Sorry, not buying it. You don't draft Anthony Richardson where you do if you're not going to start him. And I say that, too, because Stephen Holder even mentioned it, Amber. He has started for one year at your favorite university. But that one year did not go well at your favorite university because he completed a little over half of his passes. They did not win big. The half that he completed, Michael. I mean, those things were bombs. (laughs) Well, that's that's fantastic. That was electric. It it, it might have been electric. Not so much. All those short (laughs) thinking dunks that he forgets his accuracy on when he's only showing. Somehow, AR, the AR experience is when he's throwing five yards down the field. He can't hit his target. And when he's that throwing goes well 40 yards down the field, then we got it, baby. Then, then, then we're cooking if you're AR. It's the most bizarre thing. He is such a boomer bust player. He is the player. I've never watched a player on the Gators. I've spent, I've been a Gators fan through and through, die hard since before I could walk. I have never, I'm not sure in my life, had a more frustrating experience with a player than I had with yeah. Anthony Richardson. Listen, and, I, and I fear a little bit for Colts fans that they're about to have that same experience because that man is talent on top of talent wrapped in talent, and yet somehow it just doesn't always work. No, and that's the concern to me because he's got a lot of things going against him. The first factor is this. He had one year as a starting quarterback at the major level. It did not go well. Again, he completed, what, around 55% of his passes? Like, that that does not go well when you have a 55% completion percentage passer in college. That does not translate to the NFL. Yes, I know Josh Allen did that, but Josh Allen, I think, is the exception, not the rule. The second thing is, if you're even considering, if you're the Colts not playing him right away, did you not learn the lesson from Trey Lance? Did you not learn that lesson of, you don't play him right away, how's he going to get that experience? You don't know what you have. You have to play him. You know you're not going to be particularly good this year if you're the Colts. Use that to figure out whether this guy is your guy or not. You clearly believe in him. So you're going to start Gardner Minshew. We all know what Gardner Minshew is. He's a great mustache, a nice story, a funny guy who likes to wear jorts. <laughs> but that, that's not going to get you that far. Uh, like, Gardner Minshew, great mustache. I, I <laughs> great mean, like, seriously. Like, those are, those, listen, is. those are modified facts about Gardner Minshew. That is absolutely fair analysis. I think what's going to happen, here's, here's where I agree with you. I agree there's no quarterback battle. Here's where I disagree with you, that the Colts are going to start AR. Even though I think that they should, and I don't think there's a quarterback battle, because I agree, you don't draft Anthony Richardson where they drafted Anthony Richardson if the plan isn't Anthony Richardson. However, I think because of the familiarity that was taken in Gardner Minshew, he ends up feeling more comfortable starting Minshew at the beginning of the season, sort of like the more traditional route. But the plan in the long run is definitely Anthony Richardson. And I don't hate the plan. Now, again, Anthony Richardson frustrated me in college, and it was a small sample size. But when we're talking about what he does bring to the table, when we're talking about the arm strength, but more importantly, when we are talking about the electric mobility of that quarterback, I really think in Steichen's schemes, 
you really will see a force to be reckoned with. And you're talking about an offense that used to have an elite O-line. Now that O-line is going to have some questions there this season. But you know what helps? A mobile quarterback. You know what helps Taylor as well and being able to capitalize on that? Because, of course, you have one of the best running backs in the league. But whenever last year, when we saw Taylor and he is lining up and all of us knew where the ball was going, (laughs) so did the defenses. You and I are no defensive geniuses here in the NFL. And we all knew what was happening and who was about to shoulder that load and get that ball. Now, the defenses are going to have to account for not just what Anthony Richardson could potentially do. I understand that there are issues there in terms of the accuracy, but can potentially do with his arm. There is a deep field threat there to be had. He is incredibly strong in that area, but then also, if he's able to clean up that short game, if he's able to get more accurate and develop that part of his passing game better, but it's his legs that are really the threat. It's his legs that defenses are really going to have to account for. So now it's not just JT. Now it's also AR that you're having to account to if you're a defense and I think it lifts everybody up and we're talking about those Steichen schemes. I don't think there will be anything stale about the calls that we see from him on offense. And I think it's also why they drafted Anthony Richardson, why they wanted him in that offense because of the tools that he brings to the table, even though they need refining and they definitely need a lot of work. And he's not necessarily a quarterback that people are considering NFL ready out of the gate. He is a quarterback. Everybody considered a dual threat quarterback that was wildly talented. And you've got to be able to rein in and harbor that talent, but the help in the backfield helps him do that. And I think that O-line will be helped out and maybe look like that 2020 Colts O-line that we once saw. Maybe, but like you said, I, 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 you say refinement. I think it's more than that. Because again, that 55% completion percentage, the fact that he has issues with short throws when you are in the NFL and you're not going to have as much time to kind of look downfield to make some of those decisions, especially as a rookie, even as a second-year player, I think it's going to be a real rough go for Anthony Richardson early on, and I worry about that confidence. And also, you're talking about his legs. Well, here's the other issue there, and you'll hear NFL coaches talk about it sometimes if they're willing to be candid, which is this. You run a quarterback too much, that's going to shorten their career immensely. We saw it with Cam Newton. We might see it with Justin Fields because the Bears basically treated Justin Fields like a running back last season. If the Colts end up doing that with Anthony Richardson, you're taking two years off of his career as a quarterback for every year that you treat him like that. That, to me, is also concerning as well because he does need time to refine as a passer. It's just such a big project that, to me, Anthony Richardson is going to get somebody fired at some point. But you have Jonathan Taylor there. Like that absolutely, I think, helps that equation where you're not always relying on Anthony Richardson to get beat into the ground trying to make up the yardage that way. A very young team I mentioned. Interestingly, one of the very youngest squads in the league. Only two players are 30 or older. And it is your center and your long snapper on on the offensive side of the ball. Coming up next, Saquon Barkley. He got a deal. Joe and Amber, the podcast.